0: Welcome to the Accelerate Podcast, a podcast for high-performing current and aspiring female founders and CEOs across Africa. And for those who also have a passion for Africa, this is the place to learn about the critical success factors and best practices of some of the most amazing, high-performing female founders and CEOs. As we help you grow to be the best version of you, Achieve time and financial freedom whilst living a significant life. Thanks for tuning in to listen. I'm your host, Nekamubi. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of Accelerate Podcast. I am super excited to introduce my guest, Catherine Engman. She's a very dear friend, has been my accountability partner, amongst other things. And um, she partner and head of SERDA Ghana. And SERDA is Africa's leading educator and guide of high-performance high boards. A bit about Catherine. Catherine joined SERDA in May 2019. And brings a wealth of corporate governance and company secretarial practice experience gained over two decades. She was previously a founder and managing director of Platinum Corporate Solutions, which is an organization that focuses on supporting entities with implementation of best practice corporate governance, frameworks, culture of transformation, leadership development, and organizational development. The first 15 years of Catherine's career was spent supporting companies listed on the UK stock exchange with the last decade being focused on the family business space in Africa. Catherine's expertise lies in the area of body valuations. She leverages her skills as a certified coach to probe sensitively and to help boards identify issues and challenges that lie below the proverbial surface. She's also been involved in the recapitalization of companies through private equity financing, listing new companies, handling measures and acquisitions, and managing employee share plans globally. Catherine a, holds a Bachelor of Science degree and she's a Chartered Governance Professional. She's a certified coach through the International Coach Federation and John Maxwell, and is also a certified Cultural Tools Consultant for Barrett Values Center. Catherine, I have so many questions to ask you. <laughs> Welcome, from the, to the Accelerate podcast.
1: Oh, Nekka, thank you so much for having me, and thank you to all your listeners as well for listening to us. Just thank you.
0: Hey, And there are many reasons why I, besides being my friend, right, so many areas of expertise that you have, and I believe that we can glean some from them. One, first of all, as a coach, The fact that you were in the UK and relocated to Africa and just your experience around that, owning your own business and then selling out to some respect to Sardar and being a part of that. And then the fact that really you are, you know, I mentioned that being a coach as well and just your experiences. So let's get in. Um, I like to kind of start from the beginning. Your experience relocating to Ghana from the UK. Um, how and set up a business, right? It wasn't like going to work for somebody and all that. How was that experience? And what would you do all over again?
1: <laughs> oh, Neka, thank you. Wow, what a question. Okay, nothing actually prepared me for coming back to Ghana. So I lived my very cozy life in England, in corporate England. And actually, it was as a result of my father's death that I came back to Ghana. Actually, I'd made him a promise on his deathbed. (laughs) So I had to honor that promise. And I found myself in Ghana. Now, thankfully, I had a friend who gave me some advice and he said, Catherine, when you come to Ghana, everything that you know in England and believe to be true, turn that upside down when you're in Ghana. Otherwise, you will not survive. And honestly, Neka, that was the best advice anyone could have given me because what I found that I really held true and dear was really actually quite different over here and the first thing that struck me was the lack of structures and my job is in the corporate governance corporate secretarial space and at the time we couldn't even get an electronic report from the registrar of companies you physically had to go there so just those little challenges and really the understanding is what the motivations you know, the desires of people, it, it really was interesting. Now, you asked, what would I do differently? I would have come with a plan.
0: <laughs> For those who are considering you know, <laughs> yes. some part of Africa from Europe or America, okay? come with Absolutely. a plan.
1: And honestly, Neka, I would have actually found myself a mentor or someone to guide me properly when I got here, because I made so many mistakes because you come with one mindset and I see that with a lot of returnees, repatriates, where, oh, we used to do it like this in England and it worked like this in England. And why can't we do the, and really expecting the same here. And no, and so you end up getting so frustrated. So I would have had definitely had a mentor, a guide to guide me. And Mecca, the truth is after year two, I wanted to run away. Yes, and it was because yes. 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 I didn't, didn't, and it was only because my British passport had expired, and I was having challenges renewing it. I couldn't leave, and so it took me another eighteen months to get the passport. And by then, it was like, okay, <laughs> so do what you. Um, it was like, okay, you better stick this out. But um, yeah, I would definitely have sought a guide. Yeah, before before I came and had a
0: plan. Well, in the couple of years, now, I think you've been back for over over 10 years now.
1: Yes, this is my,
0: wow, this is my 11th year. Yeah. And I know you to be a a very strong um, relationship builder, you're building relationships and connecting. How have you, I mean, first of all, how do you develop that skill? And talk about the value of being that as you rise in your career. That's a great question.
1: Unbeknownst to me, Neka, one of I discovered when I moved to Ghana. You're coming back here. I didn't really know anyone apart from two people. Really? I thought you knew these people.
0: About yes. Them. Wow. Okay.
1: Because <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't stay in touch with my old friends or my school network. I left Ghana when I was 13 and I didn't really stay in touch with, I didn't stay in touch with anyone. So the people that I knew had been newer friends that I had met in the previous 18 months when I moved to Ghana. And unbeknownst to me, I hadn't appreciated that. Before I moved here, I hadn't appreciated that one of my gifts was actually connecting with people and networking with people. And I have such a compassionate nature and a generous heart. And I believe that 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 actually served me well when I came, when I got back to Ghana, because I'm such a genuine person and people could feel that genuineness. And so what that has done is that that's been o- able to open up so many more doors for me because I help people without expecting anything in return. And later on, then you can actually leverage this as well. So I hadn't, I hadn't really appreciated that that was my gift until now, that I'm, I'm, I'm sowing the seeds of Right.
0: Of right. Well, yeah. you mentioned two important things here, right, in terms of really being yourself genuine and also, you know, just looking for ways to be a blessing or help others without expecting anything in return. Being just genuine, being your real self. Um, you know, at times, you know, as you rise up, you kind of may not be that or think that your best self is not good enough with that respect, right? I mean, and you as a coach, I'm sure you would probably have um, seen that play out.
1: Yes. Yes, because like, what was so funny was when I first got back. Because I'm actually a very friendly, bubbly person, right? When I first got back, no, 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 Catherine, you shouldn't be so friendly. Oh, you talk too much. You ask people too many questions, and you know, people used to try to give me advice that no, no, I should be much more um restrained, dignified. dignified that's yeah. the word. <laughs> yes, and I tried for a couple of months, but that wasn't me. <laughs> and so I, I just went back to being my usual. My usual self, which is just natural curiosity. So, yeah, and just wanting to know about people. And I found a lot of people will open up if you are friendly to them. But if you're not, they don't they don't reciprocate. And so I'm, I'm just myself. <laughs> and it served me so far. Yes.
0: Okay, so I mean you have been in the corporate governance arena for probably most of your career even from supporting companies in the UK Stock Exchange and um, external publishing boards. What's your take, what's your experience around that? Particularly for growing companies, uh, the value of um, setting up a board, when should... I'm thinking of female founder, I mean, that's the primary target, but I do know I have friend listeners. What's your take on that?
1: Okay, the value of a board. That's a, that's a great question, and it's. I hope I can convince your listeners. <laughs> so what I've found over the course of my career, and particularly I would like to focus on my last 10 years being back in Ghana because I think that's so much more relevant now, is that companies with good corporate governance arrangements and a board are actually more attractive to investors because they know that the structures and the framework And the companies have these structures and frameworks in place. And so there's actually research that shows that you can get a higher valuation when you have investors coming in or even a better price on share listing when you have the right corporate governance structures in place or the right board. And certainly, I know that it's even true when you're seeking things like debt funding as well because even with the debt funding, they come with certain covenants. But aside from that... Aside from that, what I've found about the value of the board is, Nekka, you don't know what you don't know, right? And most founders, and that includes me, you know, we're these visionaries, we have these grand plans. But actually, sometimes you need people to to challenge you, to hold you accountable, and to maybe question whether what you're doing is the right thing. And because you don't know what you don't know, having Different people around the table supporting you or questioning you is actually really valuable. The studies have really shown that your companies grow when you have that board in place, when you have the right board in place as well. Yeah,
0: it's really about being able to grow and be a good time to consider setting up a board. When do you think?
1: Okay, so I personally think that the best time is, okay, I will look at the company's turnover, right? And I would say that because a board can be expensive because you have to pay your board members. I would say that in terms of financials, maybe around $5 million a year revenue is a good time to consider having a board. A lot of companies do it much sooner, particularly those that are in the regulated space because you need that for regulation. But if you're just you, I would say that around five million in revenue. But before that, do also consider having, a, I don't like the word using advisory boards because in Ghana, under the law, anyone who's acts like a director is deemed to be a director. But Certainly it's worthwhile having other people around your table even before the five million back once you get to five
0: million, it's absolutely imperative. Right. we're talking of dollar US dollars here. Yes, and
1: yes, yes. Have, yes. I mean,
0: I would say they made a lot of companies that are probably not around that, particularly female led. I wouldn't say that, but you still have a larger majority under 5 million. And so Correct. I guess you spoke into that in terms of what then, how soon should one then think of not the advisor, but support or whatever you want to call it around that table. Where they can guide you and offer different opinions. When do you think that will should happen? When should someone start considering that? A founder?
1: Hmm. The reason I go hmm is I think back to my own experience in being the founder and the managing director of my own company. And I thought I knew everything that there was to know. I believe that I would have benefited from a board myself, or certainly yeah, having that accountability and free work in place, I would have certainly benefited from that. So I would probably say that it really depends on your vision. Where do you want your company to go? Do you want it to last beyond you or is it just really a job for you today? Do you want to list it? Do you want to hand it on to family? Do you want to sell it? It really depends on your vision. So In that case, I would say that maybe not necessarily having a full board of, you know, like a lot of boards are five to six people, but even having a third non-executive, like three of you, because most companies need two people, like a third non-executive director would certainly help you. And you can pretty much do that immediately. I've known companies pretty much from day one. I've helped them. Put in a place of board, and because they couldn't actually afford board fees, they came to some deferred compensation arrangement. because they had such a huge vision and they needed help. So, I really say it's yeah, three things your vision and what you want to happen with, with the company in
0: the long term. Okay, no, excellent points there. Yeah, so my next question is really around culture and was speaking just before I went live, and just this past weekend, I've had two very successful or really one major who's really grown very well and talked about the need of being aware of one's culture or building that as the company is growing, um, especially as the next level um, is trying to develop managers, right? And there is a shortage of that, and it's not developing that fast enough. And then also a program that I was involved in where this company, in terms of how you can really 10x your business, and again, culture was in for sight. And I remembered, oh, yeah, Catherine is a cultural values expert. I can surely add a question around that. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, and it's not usually spoken much of in terms of the importance of defining the culture of even a growing business. Of course, you may think of much larger businesses, the culture, the values, and all that. What are your thoughts around that? Again, for a growing, a female founder who is growing her business, and when is the right time to be? Think about
1: that. Nekka, day one, honestly, to be honest. Really? Yeah, and I think wasn't Peter Drucker who said that culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? And NECA, it is so true because you can have the best business plan on the planet, but if your culture doesn't support it, you will not achieve your goals. And what I have found is that because the it culture of the organization- There's something already. There is a culture, <laughs> There is a culture. And the culture is usually defined by the leaders, the values of the leaders, how they act, how they behave, or even, and in the employees around them. So there's always something bubbling. And if you do not define it from the start, certainly when you first start your company, you'll find yourself after a few years wondering, wow, why is this happening? And you'll be questioning yourself, and but it's because the culture has not been defined. And you define the culture by the values and making sure that, the systems in place and not just your frameworks, your performance management system, everything is aligned with the values of the organization. I'll give you one example. I, my big belief is in teamwork, right? And making sure that all the staff work together as a team. Now, I'm also a little bit competitive, or well, what I was trying to do was to grow my staff and make them a bit more competitive. So I would have things in the organization whereby people are really recognized for doing an amazing job. And yet there's this value of teamwork. So if someone is um, recognized for doing an amazing job, they don't do it on their own. They have a whole team to support them. Right. But because I wasn't defining what doing an amazing job was, the staff were working against each other so that they could shine. So, what I wanted to have, that good val- that value of teamwork, that culture of teamwork, actually, I was working against that by the incentives I was putting in place.
0: So defining that yeah. you said from day one, even, right? Where your are entrenched in the organization. Yeah, so it's a way of transferring those values to everyone because really the corporate is an entity, the corporation is an entity, right? A separate entity from you.
1: Absolutely. And NECA, it's not just about creating those values and sticking them on the wall for your people to learn. No, it's about in the morning huddles, right? What are our values? Because people forget everything that's pasted on the wall, making sure you emphasize the values every morning, you know, that people understand them, getting the team to tell you what the values are. And even in your behaviors, agreeing, agreeing what behaviors, how those values are described in your behaviors, how they show up. Why must I have that? Why? Okay, so Nick, I'm going to give you an example. Let me just use one that we will all know the value of, let's say, God, faith, right? So you'll get different clergy of different, you'll get a Buddhist, you may get a Christian, you'll get a Muslim around the table, and they'll all agree on one thing that there's a higher power and that they'll probably agree something. But as a Christian, mine is going to be God they will all disagree on what that looks like. So it's really important that we clarify
0: behaviours,
1: expectations.
0: Yeah. Okay, I got to move to another question because I'm looking at the time. It's like, whoa. Okay, you are an exceptional coach, Um, having been trained with probably the best, John Maxwell, Jack Canfield. Talk about coaching and the value of being coached by a good coach, particularly, again, for a female founder, a female CEO?
1: Excellent. I'd like to use my experience because as a coach, I've also had coaches, and I think the best experience comes from me and just sharing that. So when I first started my business and I was always so busy, everything used to go wrong, and I never really quite 100% took responsibility or understood that everything was as a cause of me. And it was through having a coach that expanded my mind in that I was really able to have that space to reflect on my business rather than working in my business. And also it increased my level of awareness. I absolutely understood that everything that was happening was as a result of me. So the coaching really helped me with my self-awareness. And I think that is the biggest value because I think, you know, it's John Maxwell who says, in order to grow yourself, you've got to know yourself. And that was absolutely critical for me. And having a coach can really help you see more possibilities than you had imagined. And also the accountabilities. And by challenging your negative beliefs, you've been my coach and you have challenged me sometimes. I'm like, whoa. And in fact, Neka, some of the things I'm doing today are as a result of, You're challenging me, so.
0: Okay, that was not planned. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. While blowing the trumpet, Catherine is an exceptional coach herself. Um, Cultural values transformation, executive coaching. Her details will be um, in the show notes as well um, if you're interested in having a chat with her. As we begin to wrap up, I know that you also like to read what, books have influenced you, have impacted you probably in the last one or two years during the COVID pandemic? Wow. One of them is not a business book. No, it doesn't have to And
1: <laughs> one of them was, is titled, It Didn't Start With You, which is a very interesting book. And it's really a book about generational traumas and how they can be inherited. So that was such a fascinating book. And the other were, would be Habits. That I really, really found that book amazing, particularly because of the COVID period and just really all about how our daily habits affect us. And so that book really got me to be much more intentional and in focusing on my daily habits rather than, yeah,
0: everything else. So that, yes. Okay, so um, my last question is um, about significance because not just about success. And I know that's also important to you. What does a life of significance mean to you?
1: If I were living a life of significance, which I am, a life of significance is about having compassion. Yeah, it's about compassion and just understanding that we are all different and accepting people for just who they are and what they are. That, that's compassion for me. Significance also means having deep, meaningful connections with people. And although I don't like to use this book, Empowerment, I think it's overused, but really empowering people to be better versions of themselves or to live with the highest health vision. I think that's really a life of significance. And But most important to me are deep, meaningful connections with people and showing my compassion and
0: my love. All right. Well, thank you very much. Any final last thoughts that you are thinking about that you want to kind of just put out there? Okay.
1: know, I'd just like to leave
0: with one of my
1: most favorite quotes, right? And it's by Carl Jung. He says that we cannot live the afternoon of our life according to the program of Life's Morning. For what was great in the morning will be little at evening and what in the morning was true at evening will have become a lie. And this final thought is really all about questioning our stories and questioning why
0: we believe what we believe. And
1: that's it for me.
0: Well powerful very well i'm going to go back and listen to that again. thank you so much katherine for our time together <laughs> thank you interested in learning more about katherine's coaching office and her links in the show notes below this and then um, reach out to her and um, have a conversation with her thank you very much for listening Do ensure that you share this if you've enjoyed this with your friends and family. Thank you. This concludes this episode of Accelerate. All the information links will be down in the show notes. If you have not done so already, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice on Apple this will make sure you don't miss any of the amazing content we have lined up and rolling out for you. If you love this episode, it will mean a lot if you would leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Finally, if you haven't connected with me over on Instagram and you're interested in learning more about similar episodes and all that's happening before they even get announced publicly, let's make sure to connect over there at Accelerate on Nekamubi on Instagram. But with all that said, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. And until I see you in the next episode, endeavor to grow, profit, and make an impact.